0: so grateful, truly grateful, I'm so thankful, I'm so grateful, so, so grateful. Amen. Good morning and welcome everyone to this service today. How are you guys doing? Great. Hallelujah. I want to welcome all of you to this service this morning and especially for those of you that's joining us on the various platforms. You're welcome. We thank God for you. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, we pray and trust that something that God will say this morning will bless you, establish you, and cause you to flourish In Jesus' name, as always, our vision here at WorkFan is building strong families and serving global communities. And as such, next Sunday is a biggie. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you guys. How many of you guys know what's happening next Sunday? (laughs) Nobody here, nobody, nobody, nobody's talking, nobody's talking, nobody's talking. talking. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. And so as such, I want to give out a special invitation for you to come and participate and celebrate our mothers. Amen. Amen. And if you're a young lady, yes, you're a potential mother. Amen. So you are included. Glory to God. And for all of our men, it is our time to cheerlead, to encourage, to bless, to affirm, all the ladies and women in our lives. So again, I want to invite all of you, come with us this next Sunday. I'm gonna be speaking on the woman of Vela, amen? So I'm giving you advance notification, come and participate next Sunday. And for men, don't forget that next Sunday. You know what you need to do during the week, amen? Just just a word of uh, encouragement, a word of caution, a word of warning, amen? If you don't want your supply to be cut off, you better do something about it, glory to God. I I, I mean, I I, I wouldn't say much more than that, that's enough, amen? Lee, you're looking at me, you know what you need to do, amen? Praise God. Mother's Day, if you miss it, you'll miss something else, Amen? amen? Let me just leave that alone, amen? Praise God. Okay, go. Okay, let's go, let's go this morning. Okay, so John chapter 20, John chapter 20. Amen, enough of that. Hallelujah. John chapter 20, let me just look at one, verse 15, and on Resurrection Sunday, I touched this a little bit, but there's a lot more that needs to be said, so I'm going to take the time this morning to do so, and, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, Psalms, I mean, not Psalms, John chapter 20, verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Let me just stop right there and have one verse of scripture. And so this morning, I want to speak on the garden of the Lord, or if you prefer, the planting of the Lord. So, In this passage I just read, in John 20, verse 15, this is the Resurrection Sunday. This is the day that Jesus got out of the grave. Glory to God. Triumphant and victorious. And when Mary saw him, for some very strange reason, she thought him to be the gardener. And Jesus did not try to correct Or to tell her, no, I'm not the governor. He didn't go there at all. Why? Because he's trying to send a message. The first thing I want to say about this, before we move into the message this morning, on the planting of the Lord or the garden of the Lord, is that Jesus appeared or rather allowed himself to be mistaken for a gardener because he wants me and you to understand that his work was not finished. Yeah. Woo! Now, now that, that takes that calls for a sala moment, it calls for a pause. Because me and many other preachers, we have correctly said that me and you are trusting now and living on the basis of the finished work of Christ. That is correct. <laughs> that is still correct. But you need to understand the distinction before, be, between the finished work of Christ and the work that Jesus is doing right now. Huge difference. Okay? In John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus said, It is finished. And so for many of us, we take that and say, Well, you know what Jesus has done? It's finished, it's all over. And in a way, it is true. But you need to understand the distinction between that finishing. And Jesus now appearing or allowing himself to appear or to look like a God now. When the Bible said it is finished, it is just as when God in Genesis chapter 2, the, vo- the first two or three verses, said that God finished the work of creation and rested. Okay? So you and I now are have entered into the rest of Christ, and yes, into his finished work in some aspect. God rested after the week of creation. Jesus came in John 19, 30, 30 and told us it is finished. So then the point is, if he's dressed or appears as a gardener, and I'm saying he's, not, he's still working, what was finished? What is it that was finished? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> what is finished is the redemptive work of our salvation. What is finished is a sacrifice for our sins, past, present, and future. What is finished it's all the aspects that has to do with you and I being redeemed from the bondage and the chains of sin, bondage, and oppression. When he went to that cross, he broke the back of the devil and finished that aspect of his work. Hallelujah. And lives now triumphantly, victoriously, through you and I. To declare to a dying world that, in fact, the salvation is already been done and it is finished. Amen. Are you following me? Yes, I want to make sure you get it. Now, you said, Pastor, yes, okay, if my salvation is finished, redemption is finished, why is this guy dressed as a gardener? He's trying to get you and I to understand that while one aspect of his work is finished, another aspect is just getting started. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. You ought to be glad this morning that Jesus is still working. <laughs> Ah, uh, you ought to be excited that Jesus is still at work, and I'm going to give you scriptures. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the Word of God. Amen. Give me uh, first and foremost, John chapter five, verse seventeen. Give it to me in the Amplified Classic, please, if you will. John five seventeen, Amplified Classic. Thank you. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus said here. But Jesus answered them, my father has walked even until now. Wait a minute. I thought you said he rested and finished in Genesis. Jesus is telling you. My father has walked even until now. He's still walking up up to now. Look at what he says next. He has never ceased walking. I'm showing you scriptures. Are you guys here? He has never ceased working. Wait a minute, but I thought you said he stopped and rested in Genesis. Here you see it. He has never still working. Semicolon. He is still working. Amen. Amen. You ought to be glad that God is still at work because if all He did was get you saved and left you there. The enemy will wreak havoc in your life. He's still working. And now look at what Jesus says. And I too must be at divine work. So not only did God work, still working, Jesus tells me and you that even Him must be at divine work. And so now you understand why He came in the gardener's uniform. He has work to do. He has a planting to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He has some things he needs to do. And you and I are the reason for which he's still at work. Now, you may say, okay, what what, what kind of, what what is he doing exactly? exactly? Okay, good. I'm glad you asked. Give me Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16. Hebrews 4. 14 through 16. Thank you. Okay, good. Inasmuch as. Inasmuch then as we have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession of our faith in him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the source of temptation but the one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning, Verse fifteen, verse 16, let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Glory to God. Now give me Hebrews 7 verse 25. Also in the Amplified Classic, Hebrews 7.25. Thank you, you got it. Therefore, now watch this, because now we want to begin to pinpoint what is he doing. Okay, so we understand that his work regarding our redemption is finished. And that's why he said it is finished. So now, what is he doing? Therefore, he's able to save to the uttermost, yeah. completely, yeah. perfectly, Finally, and for all time and eternity. You need to underline those words. He doesn't save you to be saved for one week, or for one year, or half-baked have, have, have salvation. No! He's working to complete, to perfect, to finally, and for all time and eternity. Those who come to God through him, why? How do we know that? What is he doing to ensure that? since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. My God, you need to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's an intervention going on in your behalf. Hallelujah! Someone is intervention is interventioning in your behalf. You need to understand the enemy means evil. It means bad. He wants to destroy you. The Bible says the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, or to destroy. But he said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So what is he doing? He's living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene. Now, in Jesus' athlete ministry, there was not one prayer prayed that was left unanswered. There's not, one t- there's not one time he prayed that God did not answer him. Now think about that. The Bible says in, in, in the NKJV, this same passage, Hebrews 7.25, that he ever lives to make intercession for us. In other words, the, 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 the way the scripture put it, it's almost as if it's alive for the express purpose of praying for you. Oh my God, I thank God that intercessors pray for me, my pastors pray for me, my friends pray for me, my wife prays for me, I thank God for all of those prayers, praise God for them, but to think that Jesus Christ, the son of God, is alive and he lives for, to make intercession, I mean what is he praying about? What can he possibly be praying for you and I about? The Bible tells us, Hebrews 4, we just read it. He's praying to make sure that the salvation, the redemption for which he gave his life comes to manifestation in your life in every aspect. That you are healed, that you are prospering, that you are strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you have the joy Everything, all the package in the salvation is praying, is living to pray that those things come to pass in your life. And my my part and your part is to be in agreement with him. To say, Jesus, yes! Yes! I agree, I believe, I agree. Bring it on in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen? Now, specifically, what is he doing as a gardener? We know he's at work. We know he prays for us. Specifically, what is he doing as a gardener? There's a scripture in Psalms 52, verse 8. Don't go there. Don't go there. i just, I just said. it. In the NIV, it says, I'm, but I'm like the olive tree, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in the unfailing love of God forever and ever. Oh, glory to God. I'm like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. I trust in the unfailing love of God forever and ever. So what is Jesus doing as a gardener? Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 in the NKJV. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. What does Paul say? For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So we see Paul use this metaphors to describe you and I as born again believers. He said we are co-workers with God. Then he says we are God's field. And then he says we are God's building. Okay, let's just take that one in the middle, God's field. What's God doing with that field? What do you think he's doing with the field? Ah, thank you. Give her $2 on my behalf. Quickly. Praise God. It's in my bag. Give it to her. Praise God. He's cultivating the field. That is a critical answer. The reason that is critical, and I don't want to get ahead, ahead of myself in the message. Every plant you see is not cultivated. Every tree you look at on the road, they are not cultivated. Oh, no, they are, In fact, the Bible describes in Romans chapter 11, verse 15 or 16, it describes what we call wild olives. Wild olive trees. There's a huge difference between plants that are cultivated and plants that are not cultivated. Huge difference. And you need to know this morning, that you are not a wild olive if you are born again. If you're already born again, you are no longer a wild olive, you are a cultivated plant by God. Now let, let's let's break it down. Let's break it down. So the first thing this gonna do is what he plants. God has planted you and I, He's planted you in a marriage. It's planted you in a relationship, in a family. It's planted in you in a nation. Do you notice how you did not choose where you were born? Do you notice how you did not choose your gender? Although we know that men are trying to engineer that these days. God help them. You notice how many things God did in your behalf and you didn't have any say in it? Why? It's planting you. Glory to God. Psalms 1. Verses 1, 2, 3 says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, that stands not in the way of sinners, that sits not in the the, the place of the scornful. He said, but his delight shall be in the law of the Lord his God. Ah, don't miss verse 3. Verse 3 is the key. But the man of verse 1 and 2, in verse 3 says, he shall be like a tree. It is a wild tree. He said he shall be like a tree. That is planted by the rivers of water. And as a result, he will bring forth fruit in his season. And his leaves will not wither. Amen. So the first thing God does for you, and I, he plants us. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning. If God's planted you, don't uproot yourself. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I'm in a bad relationship. Yeah, I hear it. You, you will not be the first one in one. Yeah. God has a blueprint for the way relationships ought to run. Yes, so if you find yourself in a bad relationship, the answer is not to prove yourself. The answer is to go to the maker. It's to go to the manual. and say, what does this manual say concerning my relationship? Oh, my God. I, I can sit on there and just come on there for a minute. Give me Second Corinthians chapter three. Let me tell you how that works. I believe verse eight. Let me see. Mm, is it Second Corinthians? I think a bit First Corinthians. Let me. With unveiled face we behold him. Ah. Okay, 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 okay. The scripture says, with an unveiled face, we behold the glory of the Lord. And as we do so, ah, okay, it's 2 Corinthians three eighteen. 18. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, I've been transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's amazing. We're trying to get success in certain areas of our life, but we refuse to look at the manual. The Bible is saying to us, with an unveiled face, when we behold the glory of the image of Jesus, what happens? the power of the Holy Spirit will begin to help me and you to be transformed to what you are seeing. So if I have a bad relationship, the answer is not in social media. The answer is not even in my well-intended friend or friends. Because they're going to tell you what they know based on their experience. They are forgetting that a gardener who sought the seed and the potential in that seed has planted this seed in the soil or in the place or in the location or in the family or in the relationship where he best thinks this seed can flourish. So the only way to get the best out of this potential is to go to the manual. What is the glory of the Lord? The image of God in Jesus. What is he saying about this situation? What is God's will in this situation? Now. You may say, well, I'm not there, Uh, you know, I know what God says, I'm not doing. No, no, it's a different thing. First, find out what God's saying. And the more you focus on what God is saying, the more you begin to meditate on what Jesus has said about that situation. Forget your spouse or your partner or your friend. That's not the issue. The issue is you. (laughs) The issue is you. The issue is you. It's not the other person. Why? Because you and I have no control over the other person. I can never control what they do or do not do. The only thing I have power and I've been empowered to do is me, not them. Not them. Fix yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. But don't uproot yourself. Oh, my boss, you just don't understand my boss is a terrible person. My boss is full of the devil. I, I need to run away from this job. Da, 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 on and on and on. So when you run from that and you go to the next one, what will happen? What will happen? No. You face Jesus. He has the manual. He planted you. You need to confess that. Jesus, you planted me like an olive in this place. You planted me in this relationship. You planted me in this family. You planted me in this city. You planted me in this nation. You planted me on this job. So help me, God, to live out for your glory. Because you planted me. Don't uproot yourself without his express release. Don't do that. Now, I said at the beginning that you are not a wild olive. You must, in other words, you are not just a plant, or a a, a flower, or a tree that's just grown out in the wild. No, you are cultivated, and cultivation means Jesus has a plan. He has something he wants to get out of your life for planting you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So number one, he plants you as a gardener. Number two. It nurtures you. He nurtures you. Give me Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. I can see I will not finish this message today. Deuteronomy 11, verses 11 and 12. Look at what it says. It's talking to Israel here. It said, But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This gardener is not going to rely on human irrigation system. This gardener is not going to rely on human resources to nurture this planting. He's saying to Israel, I'm planting you in the promised land, and I want you to know this land you are going, it will not be sustained by human effort. It will not be sustained by human devices. It will drink from the rain that comes from heaven. So you need to tell yourself, bank, oh, I thank you, God, you're planting me. I thank you that you've not only planted me, I thank you that you are nurturing me. You are giving me what I need so I can grow. Yeah. It nurtures it. Let me read on. Let me finish reading it. Verse 12. A land... Oh, my God. For which the Lord your God cares. We just read it. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. That me and you are the field. We are God's field. Now, the Bible is telling you, God cares for you. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? For he loves you. Cast your cares upon the Lord. Why? For he cares for you. Now, look at this care. Because as a parent, I have children, and I care for them. But there are certain demands they place on me that I don't really care for. Especially when those demands are times when I feel busy or tired. Ah, oh, come on, you guys. A child walks into your bedroom at 2 o'clock in the morning, they want Pop-Tart. Son, I'm asleep. I'm not going to wake up in 2 o'clock in the morning to give you Pop-Tart. I'm asleep. This is one nanosecond that I don't really care. <laughs> I love you, but I don't love you enough to get up at 2 a.m. to go get your Pop-Tart. Watch this. A land for which the Lord your God cares. Watch this. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. Not like bank. Wow. Bank, you won't get up at 2 a.m. to give Pop-Tart. But not this God. His eyes is always on it. (laughs) Ah, His eyes is always on it. In case you don't know what that means, look at what it says. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Hallelujah, this is just May, God is on it in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, always, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) glory to God. Every day, all of the time. He neither sleeps nor slumber. I'm asleep at two o'clock, but my God does not sleep nor slumber. He's never wearied, he's never tired. Hallelujah! That's why the psalmist said, I trust in the unfailing love of God forever and ever. Yes, I love my wife, but she can't trust in my love forever and ever. I'm human. I have shortcomings. I will fail. I will not always live and meet up that expectation. That's why we have a Father in heaven. The one that cares. 24-7. Throughout the year. From the beginning to the ending. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So he plants you. And then it nurtures what it plants. And then, lastly, it defends you against growth barriers. It plants you. It nurtures you. But as a good, true and master gardener, that's not all it does. It also defends its plants against (laughs) pestilences, locusts, caterpillars, canker worms, parma worms, that's the way the Bible describes them. Those are pestilences that eat crops like mercilessly. True story. A few years ago I was in a place called Maiduguri in northern Nigeria. I had preached, now let me me give a backdrop. My friend said to me, before I ever went there, he said, this is the hottest place on the face of the earth. Now, when people say that to you, you have no idea. You just think, okay, yeah, Arizona hot. Uh, you know, you, 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 there's, there's no way for you to really understand what they mean when they say that. There's no, not, nothing that's relative that you can use to compare. Now, my, my brother and I were in Dubai a few years ago in July, and the steam from the ground, I, I, that thing was rising Now I mean I said, whoa. But that's not to be compared with this place. My friend said to me, Bank, I guarantee you, you can turn on your cold tap water and make hot tea with it. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, okay. This guy's exaggerating. He's speaking evangelistically. (laughs) And then one of the hosts in the city said to us, did you go with me on one of those trips? He said to us, he said, this river base you're looking at now, when you cross this river, you see, you see the river. He said, when you come back next, it, whatever the month was, he said, it will be totally dry. I'm saying, what would have happened? How can a river become dry within the same year? Ah, I was wrong. That place is so hot. There was this American evangelist who went there before me. <laughs> And the story goes that he will sit in his car with air conditioning and windows wound up until they are introducing him. Ladies and gentlemen, the man of God from America, John Doe. And he will get out of the car, run to the stage, finish preaching, and run back in the car. (laughs) And the man said, he believes that hell is leaking over (laughs) Maduguri. That's how hard that place was. Now, I'll give you context. Now for me, let me tell you what happened. I finished preaching, went back to the hotel room, tired, wanted to get some rest. What did I find? What kind of company did I find with me in the room? Locusts all over the floor, all over my bed. I said, oh my God, how am I going to get any rest in this place? The hotel guys came cleaned the thing out, sprayed the room, and they came and got me and said, it's all done, sir. You, 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 no more problems. I said, thank you very much. Within five minutes, the place was full again. I said, oh my gosh. True story. Kule was with me on that trip. She was not on that particular trip. I have never seen such an invasion in my life. As that was happening, My mind went back to Egypt. How God sent locusts to destroy all the crops of Egypt. And so I'm saying that for you to understand that the locusts and the caterpillars and the palma worms and the canker worms for me and you are spiritual attacks. Things that the enemy sends against you. Irritation, annoyance, anger, bitterness. Broken relationships, yes, yes. bosses at work that seem like they're full of the devil, husband and wives, that's always at variance, fighting, bam, 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 all the time. These are things the enemy used to impede our growth if we don't know how to manage them. This is the reason for which God told Adam in Genesis chapter 2:15, "To tend and keep the garden." Tending is one thing, keeping is another. Tending means you are nurturing it. You're giving it fertilizers. You're giving it the attention it needs. But keeping means to God to watch out, to watch against, to make sure that there is no unwanted guest to impede the growth of the plant or the tree. So Jesus plants us, he nurtures us, and then he defends us against what I call growth barriers. That is what he's doing right now. Right now, it's cultivating you and I. Right now, he's nurturing, encouraging, and lifting you up. It's telling you, you can make it. It's telling you, it's not over. It's telling you, I created you to reign and to rule. I created you for victory. And at the same time, the Bible says, when the enemy comes upon us like a flood, that the Spirit of God raises up a standard. Not you, the Spirit of God does. We are taught to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because God has the tools to destroy those things in our life. Now, in closing, and this message is not done, but let me just jump and just close it. So number one, we know that God walked in the Old Testament and is still working. Number two, we know that Jesus worked, and is still working. Now in closing, how are you working? Let me bring it home to you now. How are you working? Yeah, I can can feel a pin drop in the room. Because as long as I was talking about Jesus, it's all right. So now, let's bring it to you. Are you loafing? Are you on spiritual welfare? How are you working? Because you and I were created in the image of God and his likeness. Yes, sir. Now, let's read the scripture. First Corinthians. Chapter 12, verses 4 and 6. As I bring this message to a close, l- let me give you certain observations. Thank you. Look at what this says: There are diversities of gifts by the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Ah, watch this. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Ah, no, 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 no. I'm not sure you really get that. Can you give that to me in the Passion Translation? Let let, let me emphasize that, that verse 6. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry. And he energizes and activates them. How about NLT? NLT. Thank you very much. God works in different ways. Oh, my God. God works in different ways. But it is the same God. Who does the work in all of you? Ah, oh, you say no, no, you say in all of us. Thank you, in all of us. Oh, my, 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 That verse alone will preach for one hour. Easy. Watch this. This is the observation from this passage. No matter your work or service, big or small, it is the same God that is our work. No matter your work or service. No matter how big it is, whether you are Dr. Fossey, or you are the one that sweeps the floor at NIH, you you didn't hear me, you didn't hear me, Dr. Fossey is the director of NIH. No matter how big or small your work, whether you are the director, or you are the man or woman that comes and sweeps the floor, everybody. The Bible just tells us that it is God. That is at work in all of us. So God is using Dr. Fossey and is using the man that switches the floor. Can you grasp that? Because for me and you in this culture, in our society, we think title makes everything. Reverend Dr. Bishop. The great apostle, the Holy One. Reverend Dr. Engineer Bishop. The longer the title, the, more, the, the better we feel about ourselves. That's the wrong identity. You don't know who you are. If you need all those letters behind your name to, to feel good about yourself, you are lost. Big or small, no matter what you do, no matter, even at home, the housewife that's washing the dishes, it is God as a walk. Can you imagine that? Can you far from that? Let it sink. Let it sink. That man on the lawnmower that's just cutting the grass, the rocket scientist that's going to space, all of them, the Bible tells us, big or small, it does not matter. It is God that is at work. Secondly, observation in that passage, because God is one that's at work, then this second observation is true, and that is all work has dignity and meaning because it is God who is walking through us. All work. So what, how should that affect you and I? Number one, it should affect us in the sense that we respect and honor any person that's doing anything. We should not be, we should not be respected of person. We should not come to the house of God and elevate the pulpit and depreciate the pews. Absolutely not. We, should not. we should not depreciate the man and the women that does or the media, the, all the things they do in order to do what we're doing. It is a collaborative effort of all of us doing what God has given us to do that makes anything run and work. Amen. Do you demean your work? What you do in church? What you do at home? What you do on your job? Do you demean the service that you give? Do you demean the role or the position you find yourself right now? Because if you are doing so, it means you've forgotten what we said at the beginning of this message, that God planted you. Now, it does not mean you'll be there forever, because the God that plants, also is a God that transplants. That's a different part of the message. I won't get that to, to today. But for right now, Paul says, wherever you find yourself, be therefore content. Understanding that God is at work. It's nurturing. He has a plan. He has a purpose. What would have happened to Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house? He was complaining and mumming and grumbling. He would never have made it to being prime minister. Are you hearing me? So we need to have a new paradigm about what we do. And we need to have a new paradigm about, about what others do. It can, it's easy to forget in our culture because work seems to be a primary card for identity. But because God works through all of us, all works, all services, from doctors to nurses, to the custodians in the hospitals, all of it has dignity and worth. Amen? Amen. So Father, help us this morning you, to appreciate who you are and what you are in our lives. Help us, Jesus, to appreciate who you are and what you are doing right now. Help us to appreciate that we are the planting of the Lord. We are your trees of righteousness. And so, Father God, you are at work in us. You are nurturing us. You are the one that's defending us from attacks we are not even aware of because you see all things from the beginning to the end. Thank you for caring over us. Thank you for loving us so much. You continue to work in our behalf. We do not take this for granted. We bless you. We honor you. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we will not operate ourselves. We will not move. We will not run. But we are trusting you. That's why the psalmist said, "I'm like an olive that's flourishing in the house of God, trusting in the unfailing love of God forever and ever." So we know there will be challenges. We know there will be obstacles but that's where we trust you. We trust you because you're a good God. You're a loving father. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you right now. We rest in your love. We honor you for that. And for those who are not born again right now, if you're not born again, you're a wild olive tree. That means you're not cultivated. And God wants to bring you into his cultivation. And it's very, very simple. All you need to do is accept Jesus. His atoning sacrifice concerning you. And you need to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. But you died for sinners, of which I'm the chief. So help me. Save me. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if we believe in our heart, the Lord Jesus, and we confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. It's very simple. Just believe in the work he has done. Your sins, past, present, and future, will be totally, completely forgiven. I say, Father God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters right now, whatever they may be, who's making this decision for the first time. We thank you, Lord, for your love that reached down to grab them and bring them to yourself, to save them gloriously. I say, we thank you as we rejoice for their salvation right now, that they are part of the incredible winning part of the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Love you. God bless. Thank you, Jesus.